So, Paul, a um, couple of interesting games this week. I'd say the most exciting thing that happened over the last two games um, was uh, Michael Carrick's retirement and farewell. Uh, yeah, I mean, we do. Unruh Farrier left. That was that was big news, wasn't it? I wonder if uh, Michael Carrick's going to direct replacement. Is that a like for like replacement? I'm not sure it is. Um, yeah, I, I was at Michael Carrick's actual testimonial, so felt weird that he got another one. Yeah, I'd say his actual testimonial had uh, a bit more pace and urgency about it than United <laughs> Patriot over Watford. That is genuinely true. That was like a very entertaining, enjoyable game where Robbie Keane looked better than Wayne Rooney. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, as we know, Robbie Keane probably still is better than Wayne Rooney, playing in the uh, uh, the Indian Premier League at the moment. I think, or last I heard of Robbie Keane, he was. Uh, Rooney looks like he's off to uh, the MLS, wasn't in Everton's team today. Not just the uh, MLS, though, but DC United, apparently, which that seems like a strange destination for Wayne Rooney. Although he did tweet that time, watched the presidential debates, if I had to... Pick one. I'd pick Obama. That was in. Uh, yeah, that was Obama. Yeah, I could, I could just see Rooney on K Street with all the lobbyists. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> lobbying for Greg's. Nah, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, this isn't have a go at Rooney uh, podcast. That's uh, three hundred ninety eight <laughs> odd <laughs> before this. <laughs> have I mean, we've done um, uh, this? This is looking back at United's uh, games in the past week uh, away at West Ham. <laughs> during the week that was a shit b really shit or c extremely shit the ghost of christmas past isn't it like just seeing the haunted looking david moyes on the touchline shuddering he was wearing a nice maroon jumper which was good because it firmly identified him with the other side because uh, you know however bad things are David Moyes isn't the manager. I mean, that was an abysmal game of football. Abysmal performance from United. Doesn't mean anything whatsoever. Is genuinely not worth either of our times analysing it or the listeners' times listening to it. But, hey, we're going to do it anyway, right? Well, we've got to fill some time up, haven't we? You can't just talk about the weather for the next 45 minutes. It's been quite nice, uh, yeah, actually. It's been quite nice, to be fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, to be fair, it has, yeah. Um Yes, it was it was terrible. Uh, the level of intensity was extremely low, um, as it was against Watford, yep. um, as it was against Brighton before that. I, my only concern about this sort of winding, you know, long winding down of the season is United now have to turn it on against Chelsea in the cup final. We'll talk about that later. I guess I guess the the one saving grace there is Chelsea are even worse at the moment in terms of form. So. Um, yeah, finish the season with a loss, a draw, and a, a narrow win. Uh, that draw against West Ham was was. Um, well, I'm trying. I'm really. I'm thinking hard, mm-hmm. I'm trying hard to think of an exciting moment in it. Uh, Sanchez did a few nice little bits and pieces. Seven dribbles, you know, seven successful dribbles. Uh, th- th- those those were the be- Sanchez running with the ball was by far the best bit of that game, really in general. Um, it, it was a. I mean, it was kind of interesting in that it was a 3-5-2. Luke Shaw started. Mm-hmm. He was involved in both the last two games. Um, and Oh, he, he hit the post. Luke Shaw did. Oh, yeah, that was exciting. That was an exciting moment. Yeah. Uh, Scotty did... And then uh, Mourinho had a go at him, not because he hit the post and didn't score, but because he got forward and he wasn't supposed to. Scotty the Potty was involved. Scotty the 
Scott McTominay, the manager, sorry, to give him his full title, manager's player of the year, Scott McTominay, um, rewarded for his amazing performances all the way through the season as manager's player of the year, the best player in Manchester United squad, according to the manager, um, played in that game alongside Herrera and Pogba in the central midfield. Um, Flaney- yeah, he, he played he played against Watford as well, uh, alongside Michael Carrick and... Uh, I mean, uh, we got a good sense of uh, Carrick's declining pace, although he was still quicker than McTominay. (laughs) Did nice little. There was one little moment in the last half an hour of that game, which is all I watched, where uh, McTominay like burst through and dribbled past a couple of players, which was a surprise. He had a couple of shots in the uh, West Ham game. Shot McTominay. Um, but yeah, we played with no strikers. Uh, Rashford and Martial subject to the traditional Mourinho punishment beatings. Yeah. I wonder whether we'll see one of them ever again at United. That is until until he turns up with Juventus and scores a hat trick against us in the uh, the Champions League next season. Uh, United was it was a sort of five five zero formation, wasn't it? Because um, most of the time nobody was ahead of the ball. Um, you know, Sanchez came deep a lot and got the ball, ran with it, as you said. Uh, Lingard came deep a lot. Uh, we had three holding in front of them. Uh, Pogba, Pogba was decent, I thought. You know, bursting forward and always, you know, as I, as I said last week, always brave. Um, didn't waste the ball nearly as much as he had done the week before. Um, you know, so all right there. But but basically, most of the time there was no real striker on the pitch. I mean, Rashford came on sort of late in the game to actually give something of a focal point. But the the level of intensity in the last. 20 minutes or so from United was non-existent. I mean, it was walking pace. Yeah. Um, Victor Lindelof played. That's it. I've officially run out of things that I can bring myself to say about this game. Oh, handbags. There you go. There was one exciting thing that happened. Mark Noble tried to pick Paul Pogba's nose for him. A very unpleasant situation. Um, Ickle Mark Noble acting the big lad and Paul Pogba... Did very well to keep his cool there because it's quite the violation of personal space. Um, it, it was, yeah. Mike Noble sort of bounced off him. It was, it was a kind of combination of, you know, that trying to do the waltz, or, or <laughs> I, I thought he was trying to get a Vulcan mind meld going. <laughs> please give me some of your footwork. And Pog was going, please give me some of your intensity on occasion. Um, so yeah, that that was yeah, yeah, that was about it. Luke Shaw. Got I mean, involved. West Ham of course didn't really play with any strikers either. Right. Uh, you know, Natovic played up front. I mean, he's, he's done that a few times uh, and scored a few goals, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, sort of matched up formations, very clustered in clustered in midfield. Uh, no one really had any ambition. West Ham are just thankful to get rid of this season because they can, you know, move on from what has been pretty dreadful all the way through. A bit like the London Stadium, dreadful stadium for playing football in. Uh, you know the fans hate it, the players hate it, and uh, and and the, you know they've all hated this season, um, and and they hate themselves even more when they realise that David Moyes has signed up for another season. Yeah, I was just thinking like, oh, so what you're saying is there's a kind of weird atmosphere of doom and gloom around West Ham, oh, and also David Moyes is their manager. I mean, they've got to be serious relegation candidates next season. We're, to be fair, to give David Moyes some credit, as painful as this is to do, they could very easily have been one of those established Premier League teams that went down this season. I mean, none of the promoted sides got relegated, so that, that was three Premier League mainstays. I mean, West Brom aren't really a mainstay, but, you know, um, it could easily have been 
West Ham in, say, Swansea's place. Um, but Moyes managed to drag enough out of his squad to keep them up by miles in the end. You know, no, no yeah, danger at all. Yeah, I mean, he, he said this week that um, he uh, he really wants to know whether West Ham are, are going to match his ambitions. <laughs> Apparently that was European football. I thought it was just to be hard to beat. I mean, like, when David Moyes is talking about his ambitions, it's like... It's some, my ambition is to make it through one more day in this kind of gaping hellhole we call life. Is that what? Is that what he wants them to match? Ouch. Well, I mean, at, at one point during the game, United, uh, you know, United were playing like they were trying to be hard to beat. So yep. um, it was the uh, very movable force versus the stoppable object. Yeah. It was, it it was the, pretty grim all the way through. It was the movable force versus the just don't care about this object, wasn't it? Anyway. Mm. Shall we move on? Um, United's last away game of the season. A uh, bit of a drab draw. Yeah. Uh, United's... Final home game of the season, a bit of a drab win. Uh, although this one was kind of interesting because Watford actually had a bit of a go. They they created a lot of half chances. I wouldn't say any real decent... Act. I can't remember Romero making too many good saves. Um, the XG would tell you that. <laughs> United's at below 0.5 and Watford's just above. Um, so, um, yeah, not, not a whole load of chances, a lot of half chances from Watford. And they, you know, they, they probably go away from that game. Not, not that it matters to either side, feeling a little unlucky they didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. I, I didn't watch, I watched the last half an hour of this game and I saw the Rashford goal. Beautiful pass from Michael Carrick that in, in his second testimonial. The, the kind of ball that we've sort of missed already this season and will certainly miss going forward. I mean, I guess we should have a conversation at this point about Michael Carrick, who is becoming an increasingly influential coach at the club. And I mentioned earlier, we should probably touch upon the fact that Ree Farrier is leaving at the end of the season. This is no longer a rumour. Yeah. This is confirmed by all sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Michael Carrick had a, a decent game, actually, I thought. You know, a, a pass for Mata to, to square it for Rashford. Um, and, uh, like, you know, usual Michael Carrick, he'd only played 24 minutes of Premier League football before this game. And yeah. He played 80-odd. Uh, around about 80 or so um, in this one. And, and he, he didn't look too much out of place. It was obviously very low energy the whole game. You know, um, Watford's midfield of Decore, Hughes and Perea wasn't wasn't up to much either. You know, they, they uh, clearly are thinking about the beach already. Um, Daily Blint, Scott McTominay and Michael Carrick in United's midfield. It's got to be the slowest trio <laughs> Ever to have played in midfield for United. Um, do we think that's Daly with Blint's last United game as well? Oh, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he, like for some bizarre reason, there's a, there's a whole uh, you know group of people, the, the cult of Daly Blint, who think uh, that not only uh, is his hair beautiful, but somehow he could play in central midfield. No chance. Just no chance. That was never the case. I mean, he, he is so safe when he plays in there. So you had to, you know, when Michael Carrick's the most attacking midfielder you've got in the team, and he's 35 and he's retiring and he's barely played all season, that tells you something. So, um, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not having to go at Scott McTominay. He's, um, for, you know, for a young player who's not had a lot of football, um, he is very composed. He was again, he's, 
he lacks any kind of ambition, which is why Mourinho likes him so much. Um, he's extremely safe. And uh, so, you know, you, you got that from United. You got three recyclers of the ball recycling it to each other over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and it made for exactly the kind of dull match that you would expect. Um, weird that Sanchez played 90 minutes, I thought. It was a slightly slightly strange, given that... He's... Yeah, I mean, he was pretty frustrating, frustrating uh, I've got to say. He gave the ball away an awful lot. I mean, he does tend to anyway, doesn't he? You know, he's, um, And it's not always through playing a risky pass. He just he's just a bit loose with the ball, yeah. Uh, which was the preview that came from Arsenal fans as well. Of course, um, the back four looked extremely rusty, uh, as as you'd imagine. I mean, Baye's been sitting it out because uh, everyone else has got to play for their World Cup oh place. Damian is just <laughs> Romero's hardly played at all. Came back from an international game with a knee injury and second choice anyway. And Rojo. Didn't have a great game. I, I thought he uh, he he was the player who got in trouble most of that back four. Yeah, um, and then the plodding midfield. Rashford was lively and game, but R- ran at ran at Watford every time he got it. Yeah. You know, he is. Um, he's in such a difficult position. I mean, people are starting to get on his back, and I just think. What do you expect from a literal child playing under Jose Mourinho? You know, it's... Yeah, it's... well, him and, and Martial, you know, yeah. and I think the narrative has turned where people are, are having a go at them now and didn't used to be like that at United, got to say. It's... It used to support young players and I would say the balance of uh, of the narrative in social media, I'm sure, you know, it's obviously always different at Old Trafford, but um in social media is is that uh, Martial in particular is you know it, it, it'll be good if he goes sort of thing this, this, um, Mourinho just does this every time he's just he is so toxic when it comes to it's just propaganda it's it's yeah. it's a propaganda war so one of his key allies in that propaganda war is Rui Faria who has been his man his um assistant since before Porto they met Unal de Leiria um, and then so that's Chelsea twice into Real Madrid, Porto. Um, when they started at Chelsea the second time, um, Mourinho said, "Re, as we know, is my methodology right arm, the guy that understands best my information and the way I work. He's been with me since the beginning, same as Silvino, who's also on the staff. Um, and in an interview with BT Sport, Mourinho said... Uh, the one I believe has more potential than any other one, the one that if he wants to become a manager tomorrow, he's more than ready to do it at the highest level, is my assistant, uh, Rui Faria. Um, and so he's he's been a fitness coach. He was just a fitness coach, and then just increasingly to sort of tactical and strategic advice. Um, he, he hasn't punched anyone during his whole time at United. As far as we know, he hasn't publicly punched anyone during his whole time at United, which is perhaps slightly mm. surprising. Uh, are you sure he doesn't take Anthony Martial down to the basement at Carrington <laughs> and beat his feet? Um, I, I was there when Mourinho got sent off and Faria did the press conference um, where he was saying, like, well done to the referee. Well done to the referee. And, you know, he's very he's very in Mourinho's camp. He's very of Mourinho's style. And I think it will be really interesting to see whether there are any changes in approach um, with Faria going. Because, you know, that is a, that is a major, major, major figure in, in Mourinho's I'm entire sure, career. Yeah. I mean, look, it was, it was a characteristic of Fergie's time at United. 
um, uh, Fergie much better out of intensive care. Um, yeah, as we hoped last week seems seems good, but you know, real real feature of Fergie's time, the assistants he had over the years, uh, and he had quite a few, and and some of them made a you know a big difference to his thinking and his tactical approach. So you know, a lot of people when Car- Carlos Quiroz came into the the position sort of blamed Kieros for making Fergie a bit more defensive. I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not, but it sort of coincided with a time when United became a little bit more circumspect. Yeah, especially in European football. And I wonder whether it's not a bad thing for Mourinho to get some new ideas. I mean, clearly, he's got yes men all around him. No one is going to challenge his thinking at all. Uh, and if they do, they're out of the team. I mean, I don't know. Uh, is Re- I'm assuming it's not the coaches. So, it, is Rui Farrier you know. a yes man? I'm not convinced that Rui Farrier has spent his whole time with Mourinho just agreeing with him. I have no idea. But, you know, new ideas are, are, are not going to be a bad thing. It's interesting because Fergie Fergie certainly didn't have anyone with any of, of that kind of Clough-Taylor relationship, you know, the, the kind of... Um, inseparable manager and assistant Fergie didn't have anyone for that those numbers of years I mean because we're talking about uh so when did Porto win the Champions League 2003 so Four, yeah. yeah so yeah, three yeah so here we are we're 15 years more than 15 years they've been working together um and for a lot of that time Ferrer's been number two so yeah it's, it's going to be a kind of a paradigm shift in Mourinho's life and it could go one of two ways like one well it could go one of three ways one it could make no real substantial difference either way just gets in another coach and it's fine two it could freshen up and you know provide a different kind of avenue especially if he gives it to somebody like Carrick which I think would be politically quite a savvy move and probably probably not a bad move if if Carrick's up for it um and then three uh, the other options it could deepen Mourinho's strange misery and be like, oh, I haven't even got my mate Rui now. I hate Manchester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always do think it's ironic when people are having going at, uh, go at uh, Martial's demeanour or Pogba's demeanour because the most <laughs> miserable guy in the United squad by miles is Mourinho. <laughs> His body language is awful. Yeah. Well, we'll look, we'll see. Um, you know, I wonder if Carrick's appointed whether he would be uh, sort of Ryan Giggs under Louis Van Hull type though yeah how much influence would you really have because mm. Ryan Giggs clear was putting the cones out yeah but you yeah it's interesting isn't it I, I wonder if there'd be a different dynamic there they, they clearly get on like Mourinho has been very effusive about Carrick and he that, he doesn't generally do that unless he sees something mind you Gig, Van Hol was very effusive about Giggs too so uh, who knows um we'll, we'll see how that one plays out next season but but it's it's pretty significant news nonetheless um yeah so a, a final word for Carrick I mean you yeah. know almost 500 games for United 10 years at the club um people people weren't happy when he joined I'd say there's still a whole group of people who didn't really ever get Carrick um yeah, it was quite a lot of money at the time from Spurs and and he was no Roy Keane you know and he spent most of his time at United being that sort of deep-lying, playmaking, defensive midfielder, uh, you know, of, of the type that is lauded uh, on the continent. Uh, <laughs> on the but, continent. But, yeah, yeah, over in, you know, Brexit land. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, but not necessarily in the Premier League, you know, and I felt Carrick suffered for that quite a lot in his early years and pro- probably throughout his, his whole career at United. Well, I mean, that that's what everyone says about Carrick, isn't it? I mean, they used to say it about Skulls too, but he had a sort of, I don't know, he had this 
this lionization Paul Scholes didn't in the last period of his career. And I actually think that's happened with Carrick. I think when you've got the entire football punditing industry saying he's very underrated, you can no longer say he's very underrated. Um, so, yeah, I, he's had an amazing career at United. There have been high-profile moments where the things that he's lacking have defined him, but as many high-profile moments where the things that he have has, has defined him. It was very important in 07, 08. It was extraordinarily important in 12, 13 when he held together the midfield with sticky tape and string and the ability to put the ball on a plate for Robert Van Persie time after time. I mean, I remember that assist for Javier Hernandez against Newcastle for the winner in a thrilling 4-3, I think. God, imagine Man United winning a game 4-3. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But it did used to happen. <laughs> it, uh, it would blow Mourinho's mind. Uh, and, uh, you know, he would play seven at the back for the next two months. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll miss Michael Carrick, or more accurately, we've already been missing Michael Carrick, I'd say. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what United do in the transfer market in terms of replacing him. I mean, it, it looks like Fellaini's going, thank God. Um, Carrick's going. Mourinho's talked about Carrick being the only player he wants to replace. Uh, and, and that's probably a bit di- disingenuous. I'm sure he's looking at two fullbacks and a central defender as well. That's five players already. Yep. And, and when did we last buy five players? Was it yeah, Van Gaal? Yeah, un- unlikely to happen. And plus, of course, he got one in the uh, in the winter the winter window as well. Yep. Although that could be the fourth from last summer. To be fair, because we only brought in three, didn't we? And he was talking about four all summer. Mm. So I guess we'll do a, a you know full season yep. review next week and and with all our awards and stuff like that but you know finished second in the league 81 points quite a long way behind city unfortunately <laughs> quite, quite a long way 100 points and 106 goals um they have scored uh if i think i worked it out that it was 38 yeah it's 38 more goals than us so an average of one goal for every premier league game <laughs> But you know, the thing that will uh, drive Mourinho crazy is not the 119-point gap (laughs) or the 38 goals. It's the fact they conceded one goal less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One fewer goal conceded by Manchester City. Um, They just lost two games all season. We lost seven, which is actually more than we lost last season. I was looking it up. Um, Last season, we lost only five games. Um, But we did draw 15 games last season. 1-5, 15, not a typo. 15 games we drew last season. And drawing six this season was a lot better. I mean, so we talked endlessly at the beginning of the season about whether we'd been able to make up the kind of point swing that we were talking about. So we finished on 69 points last season. Chelsea won the league with 93 points last season. We haven't made that... Uh, amount of swing um but we've got kind of halfway to it effectively um getting to 81 points um which is it's a lot more than 69 isn't it you know it's um a lot- it is well done yeah. well done <laughs> yeah i mean look you look at the games that united blew uh you know defeats to west brom uh defeat uh, huddersfield at newcastle um brighton uh, brighton yeah you know there's a lot of points you look at and go, Poof, yeah, really could have picked those up. You can you can see your way to an extra ten points at least yeah. for United, can't you? Yeah. You know, and which would have been a, an incredible points total. And and then you look at the data and it says something slightly different, doesn't it? You know, and I, I've been making this point all season that United are actually 
you know, scored a few more goals than really the amount of underlying chances should give United credit for. You have, you would have expected a regression to the mean at some point. Yeah. Um, and have conceded way fewer goals than you would expected given the amount of chances. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you've got the world's best keeper by absolutely miles between the sticks. First golden goal for De Gea? No. First golden go- glove? First golden gloves for De Gea. If he scores a golden goal, given that that rule doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> well, I mean, but if, does it? If anyone could magically break the space-time continuum to make it happen, it's David De Gea, because that's the only thing that explains his saves. Um, yeah, so I think 18 clean sheets from United this season. A uh, bit dumb that a goalkeeper gets award for that most of the time, because normally it's a team effort. But in David De Gea's case, it's entirely justified that he gets an individual award for it, because it's not really a team effort. It's him uh, making up for the deficiencies in the team ahead of him. I mean, Yeah, the, the only team in the Premier League that's even close in terms of the number of you know expected goals against... Um, and the gap between the actual number of goals against is Burnley, and and that really is a team effort. Yeah, that's Burnley with you know the four defenders camped on the goal line most of the time. Yeah, at home. <laughs> uh, talking of home, I, I thought I'd have a little look at the home and away form, see if there's any difference. And interestingly, we are third in the league um, for both of those, which I, I thought was was kind of weirdly an interesting sort of dichotomy. But um, Arsenal have. Uh, an equal record in terms of wins, draws and losses, but have scored, uh, just had a slightly better goal difference than United away from home. City are obviously top of both. Um, and Spurs have a better away record um, on goal difference than United. But um, obviously you combine the form and that's where we, we ended up finishing second. And second by a decent margin, you know, um, four points ahead of Tottenham Hotspur. And, and in the last kind of period of the season, never really in any doubt of losing that second place ever, ever since we beat, who was it that we beat? Was it Arsenal, the Arsenal game? No, it was mm-hmm. City, probably, ever mm-hmm. since we beat yeah. City. Yeah. And and that's another thing that we have talked about a little bit lately, but just an excellent record against the rest of the top six, which is a big part of the reason that we finished second this season. Yeah, and which is a big turnaround from last season. Yeah. Especially excellent record since Christmas. Yeah. Beating all of the rivals there and... Um, you know, a few draws before that in the early part of the season and and, and the defeat at Tottenham in the league. Um, but yeah, it's got a lot better than it was, you know. Um, uh, and United haven't parked the bus in the Mourinho at Inter style parking the bus for a very long time now. I, I would say the the uh, the performances against, especially the, the bigger sides, are extremely circumspect, still mm-hmm. pretty circumspect against Watford, to be honest. And actually, I got the real sense watching that, especially with a few players who, who perhaps aren't normally in the team, that there's quite a lot of fear being on the ball. I mean, no one's really going to open up, you know. And you can kind of, and I am speculating here, clearly, but you can kind of believe that to be true, given that anyone who makes a mistake is, gets called out in the press publicly by Mourinho and sent for a good beating for a few months. The um, the difference in our home and away record is interesting from sort of on that so- psychological perspective. Five more wins at home than on the road. Um, and like we're, we're within three points of City in terms of home form. Um, and it is our away form that is substantially worse, 16 points worse off than them. You know, a plus 11 goal difference away from home compared to a plus, yeah. goal, plus 29 at home. And... and 
Can United fix that with Mourinho in charge? I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Because United can pick up enough points away from home. Can you know if you're not going to attack, can you score enough goals and pick up enough wins? Yeah, because because so much of the, so many of the drop points this season away from home have been stupid. You know, rather than uh, rather than a function of, it's like, you know, some of them been towards the end of the season. There was that Huddersfield game where. I don't know how much of that Huddersfield game was really on Mourinho directly, um, in a, except in the sense that it was a big hangover from Anfield, or it felt like that. So I, I don't think there's anything specific about the way we've played away from home that you couldn't fix. I think it's more like the, the real obstacle to it getting better under Mourinho is the general atmosphere and psychology that follows Mourinho around and and it's whether that shifts next season or not will make an enormous difference but whether that shifts next season or not will will define what kind of season it is yeah um I'm presuming that Mourinho needs all his purchases uh, made in the summer very short window this year of course because uh, not long until the World Cup and not very much time like two weeks uh, after the World Cup, until the window closes, it closes before the Premier League season starts. So, uh, Ed Woodward is going to be very busy in the next month or so, and presumably United have been trying to do the groundwork already. Um, so that's that's you know that's the league season finish. Eighty-one points, very good. We... Looking looking at the um, looking at the player performances, Romelu Lukaku finishes with sixteen goals. He's we'll, a we'll, decent. Should we should we do this in detail when we do awards for players and stuff next week? Yeah, the, 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 I just wanted to just you know briefly comment on it, you know. So um, it, it's I, I just wonder, you know, it's it's been a good season from Romelu, sixteen goals, thirty four games, decent, mm-hmm. almost one in two. Mm-hmm. Could we have expected more? Do you want, if we add those assists in, those numbers start looking a lot prettier, don't they? Because he's got a lot of assists as well. He's got seven, yeah. yeah. So he's got seven, yeah. I mean, but he's he's behind Jamie Vardy in terms of number of goals. Obviously, Vardy never has probably never created a goal for anyone in his life. <laughs> so um, behind Sergio Aguero, everyone forgets Aguero actually plays. Yeah, but he does when he's not injured and he scores a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah, behind Raheem Sterling, and obviously behind Salah and Kane. I, I wonder whether we can't expect a little bit more from Lukaku. Oh really? What's he supposed to do in this? Can't spend all this he can't spend all season going. Oh, Jose Mourinho just really like inhibits our attack and makes all our players feel you know bad about themselves, and then say, "But we could we expect more from Lukaku?" Seems well, just a little bit more, okay. yeah. But you know, look, look, totally fair, totally fair. Uh, but you, you are like you know, Roman Lukaku's best biggest uh, fan. Mom, he scored one goal all season. You'd be going, "Wow!" But it was the world's greatest goal, wasn't it? it was worth thirty-two of them. No, like no, because one of the reasons I defend him is I think he's really good. Like I, I, I mean, yeah, no, there, the there was clearly a stretch of games in the middle of the season where we could expect better from Romelu Lukaku. You know, that's that's clearly the case. He had he had a proper dry spell. And then his performances started to pick up and then the goal started to come again. Um, and like I said, those those assists, that's seven assists is, is, a, is a lot of assists. Uh, how many players in the United squad have got more than seven league assists this season? Is it anyone other than Pogba got more than seven league assists? I haven't got the numbers in front of me. Uh, yeah. Um, 
No, I'm sure at United, no, no, I'm sure it's just Pogba, yeah. Um, ten Pogba has this season. Yeah, so... Uh, M- Mkhitaryan has nine for Arsenal and United. <laughs> Top goal scorer and second assist maker, that's that's not bad, is it, from your centre forward? T- top four assist makers, De Bruyne, Sane, Sterling, Silva. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, I mean, but that's cheating, isn't it? Like, they're just, they're just, I mean, it's literally cheating because financial doping. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other subject. Talking of which, um, Arsene Wenger ended the season by getting an actual away win for the first time in 2018, left it quite late I mean they scored in the 38th minute of the game but the fact that it went to the last day of the season before they got on away when borderline hilarious yeah uh, and they managed to finish a, a solid nine points to get ahead of Burnley that showed you Burnley yeah getting ideas above your station and getting beat 5-0 at the Emirates um It'll be weird not having Wenger. We talked about that a lot. Uh, Chelsea managed to completely capitulate. We talked about, you know, even holding out some hope that they might overturn Liverpool once they'd beaten Liverpool. And then Liverpool would have lost the Champions League final and not had Champions League football next season. That would have been hilarious. But uh, instead, Chelsea lost 3-0 to Newcastle on the last day of the season. What? How's that even possible? Mm. Yeah, I know. Um, they'll uh, they'll be enjoying the Europa League next season under a new manager, as as will Arsenal. Uh, maybe uh, Rui Faria is going to Arsenal. Maybe Rui Faria is going to Chelsea. Maybe that, that is, there's a connection, but there isn't there. Uh, that would be weird if if he were. I mean, do you think Mourinho would consider that like a deathly betrayal? I think he would. I don't think they'd ever speak again if he did that. It'd be a Roy Keane, Alex Ferguson situation. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit about talking, the, talking to Roy Keane. Yeah, Roy Keane for assistant manager. I mean, that's that's the dream, isn't it? That's the angry, angry dream. That's the <laughs> what happens when two black holes collide. <laughs> well, we've seen it literally loads of times because eventually they just write books about each other. That's what happens at the end. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't imagine Roy Keane will be getting on the job. Uh, he's uh, he's doing a fine job with Ireland at the moment. But it will be interesting to see whether they promote from within. And whether it is a, an ex-player um, or Mourinho brings in someone new, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, and it's going to be fascinating to see if Mourinho can work with someone else as an assistant manager. I mean, he's had a lot of he's had a lot of kind of. I wonder if it'd be like a Karanka kind of person. Has he got a job at the moment? I'd say Karanka. I don't know, but you he know, does not. Well, there you go. That's that's got to be a possibility, hasn't it? At least for a season. I, I want to talk about the rest of the Premier League a little bit, given that that it is all wrapped up. Um, Spurs finishing above Liverpool, which is sort of... Con- I was moaning before we started. Are you confused because Liverpool are the best team was, in the history of football? I was moaning a lot. Above li- Manchester City, who are also the best team in the history of football. I was slightly moaning before we started recording about United fans being so bitter anytime anyone says anything positive about Liverpool. But it is noteworthy that Tottenham finished above them in the league, sort of contrary to the dominant narratives around the two clubs this season. Um, but yeah, so Liverpool finished fourth, Burnley finishing seventh is an amazing achievement. Um, but I think in a way, like low key, the most incredible achievement, I mean, Manchester City got a hundred points, which is quite good, I suppose. But Roy Hodgson 
taking over a Palace side that had not scored one single goal in their first seven games of the season. Like seven games is a big chunk of a Premier League season. And uh, getting them to finish 11th in the league. Like that is really, really quite impressive. All 45 goals have come in the last 31 games of the season. They gave everyone else a head start. <laughs> they basically just played a 31-game season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely crushed the uh, the opposition. Like, the only team... Like, all the teams above them, apart from Burnley, I'd say, all the teams above them would expect to finish above Palace in the, in the normal order of business. Leicester, who've recently won the league. Newcastle, who are obviously, you know, not in great nick at the moment, but are a traditionally, you know, fairly substantial side in the Premier League. It's really impressive, I think. And in the end, uh, the West Brom dream died before the podcast even came out, I think, uh, where we talked about it. It, it, it did, yeah, where Southampton won at Swansea yeah. uh, in the week, which sent West Brom down. So all that calculus gone to waste. And congratulations to Mark Hughes for only relegating one team this season, not two. Uh, well done, I was Sparky. slightly disappointed. Yeah. I, I was, I, yeah, I have to say I was kind of rooting for, for <laughs> Southampton to go down with Stoke. Yeah. Just teams that play in red and white stripes that Mark Hughes manages that are getting relegated all in the same season. Um, There's always next season. Uh, Swansea <laughs> going down is interesting. I mean, you know, a few years ago, the uh, the the talk about Swansea was that they were an extremely well-run club. Then they sold out yep. to some American investors. And uh, lo and behold, they've become a not well-run club, uh, bringing in quite a lot of crap. Um, in the transfer market and, and they pay the price, you know, and, and it'll be super difficult. We've seen, even with the parachute payments, we've seen an awful lot of teams go down from the Premier League and struggle. Um, Mourinho uh, saying about their Swansea's Portuguese manager that when he'd kind of turned the form around and got them out of the bottom three, that he, he should be manager of the season. Um He's just terrible at picking who should get awards, isn't he, Mourinho? Um, uh, Swansea, more losses than anyone else in the division and fewer goals scored than anyone else in the division and the only team to uh, lose every one of their last five games of the season. So just a, a hopeless, melting collapse at the end. And like you say, it's, it is really sad because there was a team that was really well run. I mean, you know, Swansea and Southampton were the two sort of poster child clubs for being well run. And I think in Southampton's came the case, eventually the, the pace of players leaving outstripped the production line of players coming through, which is fair enough. Um, maybe similar happened at Swansea too, but also they just seemed to lose all direction, you know, because it was all about having a style of play and bringing in coaches that could play the Swansea way over and over again. And that just went by the wayside, didn't it? Stoke, um, shout out to friend of the show, Greg Johnson, for the editor of Football London, who picked Stoke to get relegated at the beginning of the season. Um, I remember being very pleased to imagine that at the beginning of the season. Sort of delightful for the general quality of life of the Premier League that Stoke have been relegated. No no sadness whatsoever. Like normally I'm an empathetic I'm an empathetic person, you know, I can I can feel for the fans and all that kind of stuff of the club, but apart from like the people who are employed in the canteens and stuff like that at Stoke and people who'll actually lose their job because of this, there's no one I really feel sorry for in this picture. Oh no. Not not at all. The uh, the Stoke fans will uh We'll, we'll do well in the championship. You can just imagine them going down to Millwall. Yep. 
uh, a beautiful sight to behold. Very sad about West Brom because Darren Moore did such an extraordinary job and no team should have Alan Pardew inflicted on them. But, you know, really noteworthy that Huddersfield, Brighton and Newcastle all stayed up and... Yeah, Newcastle finished the season pretty well, actually. Yeah, well, four losses in their last five games, but they okay. finished their season high in the apparently league. not very well before <laughs> that before that they were yeah. doing okay yeah um yeah and all those promoted teams have done pretty well you know brighton um uh, saved themselves a couple of weeks ago now yeah and and yeah you know quite quite a few newly promoted teams in the the premier or you know over the last couple of seasons huddersfield staying in bournemouth staying in the division once again and you know reasonably comfortable for them um coming up will be uh Wolves Cardiff um and then yeah yeah Fulham Villa Villa who won at Middlesbrough in the the first um uh championship playoff semi-final yeah and Derby whatever it's called these days Derby beat yeah. Derby beat Fulham in the first leg of that and Fulham are you know the classic team and I mean this is the greatest cliche in all of football but you know Fulham are the team that unluckily missed out on automatic promotion and those are just never the teams that get promoted through the playoffs are they it's always the team with a bit of form behind them um, well, that's right. Yeah, we'll catch up on that next week. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams with a lot of points at the top of the uh, the championship there, who who are going to feel a bit hard done by. Well, just really, um, just Fulham, because there's a bit, there's a fairly big gap between Fulham and Villa, um, but only two, five, five, five points. Yeah, but, yeah, seven points between Villa and automatic promotion compared to the the two that Fulham missed out to Cardiff. I mean, Cardiff, like, yeah. Neil Warnock in charge of Cardiff City. That's pretty grim. I wonder if they'll have Fabio again. Yeah, but, you know, Alan Pardew replaces him, uh, <laughs> of course, for November, <laughs> December time. Uh, I wonder if Ruth uh, Ferry... Uh, Fa- Fabio's at, um, Fabio's at uh, Middlesbrough and yeah. just about to sign a new contract, yeah, right. in and out of the side a lot at Middlesbrough. Um, but we could see him in the Premier League again next season. But Wolves are going to be uh, fascinating. I mean, as kind of gross as the model is, it's going to be fascinating to see how Jorge Mendes FC, like, I mean, there's a massive conflict of interest for us because there was a time when we looked like we might become Jorge Mendes FC, but he's got an actual football team that he runs now instead. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, so, shall we take some questions? Let's do it. Uh, quite a lot of them, as you oh, expect. Okay. Uh, one for you here, Paul. Uh, uh, <laughs> a, a real one for you. Okay, than not something the... painfully abusive like last week. Yeah, well, it wasn't painfully abusive. No. Do you think Tony Martial will look good in black and white stripes? He's not going to Newcastle, is he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's going to do great. He's going to absolutely kill it at Juventus, I'm sure. I just, like, I really, really hope we're not sending him to another Premier League club because that would be, that would just be utterly bizarre. Oh. I mean, it's utterly, um, it, it's just the kind of thing where the bar for utterly bizarre has been set so high by global events that, it's utterly bizarre that we're even considering selling Anthony Martial, but it's just it's just so wrong. And uh, people who buy into Mourinho's narrative need to uh, need us give their heads a wobble and sort themselves out. Exactly. Uh, that was from Sean Fields, nineteen ninety five, from Ho Ho twenty three. Uh, who from the squad will still be in the team and uh, makes the opening day side? Uh, it's going to be tough with the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying, I, I think it is it is going to be a tough transfer window. I think it's better though. Um, the rest of Europe hasn't come into line with that. So we could get some interesting dynamics where um, uh, where the Premier League window is shut, but uh, teams from around Europe can still buy Premier League players. 
Um, so there'll be some interesting speculation for a month or so about David Hare going to Real Madrid. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the World Cup starts in um, about a month, just a touch over a month, a couple of days more than a month. Uh, and then um, n- not a lot of business will get done by, you know, between uh, between the mid-June and mid-July. And then uh, the Premier League teams go about two weeks to sort stuff out before their window slams firmly shut a bit early. Yeah, so that's going to be, that'll be fascinating. I mean, who from the current side? I mean, we all expect a massive exodus, but we've expected that for some time and it hasn't ever really happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like, like say Valencia and Young, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this isn't the summer we get rid of Valencia Young. If Mourinho doesn't think, well, actually I've got bigger priorities elsewhere and I don't necessarily have the budget in the wiggle. I mean, he said this week that he hopes Ashley Young plays 50 games next season. I mean, it, Mourinho's talking has just started to sound like white noise at this point. Um, but yeah, so, I, I mean, Chris Smalling, we were talking, we'll talk about the cup final in a minute, but in the we were having a chat about the cup final 11. And I just think Chris Morning is almost like one. He's definitely one of the two center backs. So I, I'm not expecting him to leave this summer either. Now, uh, Blint, even Luke Shaw, I wouldn't be that surprised if Marino decides to keep him to psychologically torture him for his own enjoyment for another season, you know? Yeah. Um, hmm. No, I'm sure Shaw, Blint, uh, Fellaini, Carrick, uh, all out. Um, Romero wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't want to go. I mean, you know, he's got to be sick of sitting on the bench, hasn't he? Well, he's, um, he's done it a lot before as well. So a full career of sitting on the bench, yeah. except for Argentina where he plays. Yeah. Weird, weird. Questy underscore twenty says, uh, "Do you feel like not playing any youth players in the last Premier League game and nothing riding on it is much of a travesty as I do?" Yeah. I think it's gross. I think it's it's totally like last season. It was so. It was one of the most fun games of the season last season. We had Pogba kind of like playing brilliantly and marshalling the, the the youngsters and acting like a kind of midfield general and like waving to the crowd at, at, when he went off just before half time. Kind of like giving it the like, yes, we're going to Stockholm and we're going to win. Um, it all feels like a very long time ago, and and strangely, even though we finished much higher on a bigger, much bigger points total this season, it, it it feels a lot flatter and less optimistic. And one of those reasons is no, you know, no David. He gave Angel Gomez his debut on that in that game. So yeah, I, I thought it was a, a real wasted opportunity. There's there's just no point in playing Alexis Sanchez for ninety minutes in this game. True, yeah. Um, at Karen says, uh, do you believe United have created a solid platform for progression next season? No, I hope they have. And I think they might have, but I don't actually believe they have. No, I mean, uh, it, it, look, it really does depend on who United bring in. I mean, clearly Mourinho has uh, an idea of the type of player he wants. Uh, and the type of player he doesn't. Functional, I, I would say, is the type he wants. Um, and... Um, but but you know, will United progress from eighty one points? 
you kind of hope so, but it's going to have to be another very good season. What kind of progression I really want is is in the style of play, just being a little bit more expansive. Although I really don't expect that at any point under Mourinho. I know I know he is taking charge of sides that have scored over a hundred goals in the season and got huge points totals. Um, so it's not you know beyond the wit of him to produce a team that does that, but it just doesn't seem like it from here. No, and 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 this comes really where the point you've made. Over and over and over and over and over again this season, that the underlying data doesn't look like substantial progression, and that the and I think some of the reason for that is about Mourinho's style. This is like you know another thing that's been repeated on the show a lot is that Mourinho's football is all about the details, and that that is really significant when it comes to comparing the underlying data to the actual on pitch mm-hmm. data, but. Um, there is no, there's no guarantee that Liverpool and Spurs won't be better than it next season. There's definitely no guarantee that Chelsea won't be reinvigorated under a new manager next season and bring in some players that address some of the deficits they've got in their squad. There's even no guarantee that whoever takes over at Arsenal won't be able to get a tune out of their sort of talented attacking players. So, although I think they're a lot further behind in terms of squad depth, um, squad quality is what I mean to say so I think it's going to get harder again City will spend money this summer Guardiola is going to be absolutely fevered to be at least as good next season so I think it's going to be another really tough season next season Hmm. second in the league uh, says uh, at Jap Telly 62 uh, to the most dominant champions ever marks out of 10 Six? I don't know. That feels ridiculously harsh, but are we just saying the league? Because yeah, just the league. Yeah, you know, finished second. Is that on eighty-one points? He's got it. It's better than the six, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And some of the games have been quite fun. The first part of the season was really fun. The game, the wins against big sides have been really fun. But the sense that it's all hopeless, <laughs> it's been really not fun. Seven and a half. At second, says uh, Josie what's, still reliant on what, defensive solidity and individual brilliance in attack. What's your um, number, Ed? What's your number? I was moving on quick. Uh, maybe it's a seven. Okay. It's, a, it's a seven because um, second, if it's just the league we're talking about and not everything else around it, including that absolutely cowardly game against Sevilla, <laughs> which I still haven't forgiven him for. Um, second, second is you know there's only one place better than that, right? So so seven doesn't seem that good, but but the the football's been I'd say pretty average since Christmas. Yeah, yeah, be, been some good sides definitely. Um, very few sparkling performances. Just just very few. It's a long time since four 0 FC, and even then we were steamrolling sides in the last five minutes. So. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I wonder whether, you know, and this might not be the most popular opinion amongst United fans, I, I wonder whether we've just flattered to deceive a little bit and our league position is is um, not necessarily reflective of uh, of how 
good a team we are. Although, you know, clearly don't concede many goals. So and we've picked up the points. And as our next question is going to come on to, is there's so much individual talent in the squad that stuff happens in games quite often. Even today, that, that game couldn't have been more limp. And yet it's a moment of absolute quality. The ball from Carrick, the control from Mata, positioning from Rashford, the whole thing, you know, it's just those moments of individual quality have told this season. Yeah, so um, as I was saying, uh, at second, says Jose, still relies on defensive solidity and individual brilliance in attack. Uh, do you think he needs another attacker next season? Uh, it's a great question. He said no, but I wonder whether he'd go back on that with Martial leaving and say, OK, we do. But, you know, bringing in an elite level att- attacker, unless you're saying it's to play on the right of a four-three-three, and we just go Sanchez-Lukaku and new elite level attacker... No, he's gonna he's gonna bin off Martial and Rashford and and bring in a twenty nine year old you know journeyman from around Europe for backup for Lukaku. He's, he's not binning off Martial. Plus, plus William, he's a twenty nine year old journeyman from Brazil. He's not binning off Marcus Rashford. No, no, not Rashford. Um, uh, quite a, quite a few questions from Matt Hay. This is kind of cheating, Matt. But you know, all right. One: Does Jose Mourinho have to deliver the Champions League or the Premier League next year? No, he doesn't. Um, and uh, for the fans, he does clearly. But uh, for the bean counters upstairs, uh, no, he doesn't. He just needs to make sure United are, are qualifying for the Champions League and go a, a decent amount of rounds in the Champions League, and uh, in, those commercial dollars will keep pouring in. Mm-hmm. United will actually finish the season with uh, more TV money than City uh, because uh, United uh, uh, have been on more because they get the big audiences. Right. That's the real uh, Will Jose Mourinho last the full 18-19 season? Went, went from optimistic to deeply pessimistic. <laughs> will he last the full season? You know, the only way I think he doesn't last the season is if he doesn't get the transfers he wants. Yeah. You know, Woodward goes peak Woodward. And, and screws it all up. Um, mm. uh, Jorge Mendes says he's got a conflict of interest because he now owns Wolves. <laughs> and, and we've pissed Raiola off by dicking around his clients too much, you know. So we we get we don't get the players he wants and, and Mourinho will get in a, a hump that he'll never recover from. I, I think that's extremely right. Although I think Pete Woodward now has to be buying players rather than not buying players because peak inefficient Woodward was a very long time ago now. Yeah, well, you know, he realised he was he's smart enough to realise he's he wasn't much good at that and just outsourced it. Yeah, Rank cars drinking game. Woodward. Which teams will Rashford, Rashford and Martial go go and win the Ballon d'Or with? <laughs> Says Matt Hay Rashford's, again. Rashford's winning the Ballon d'Or under Michael Carrick's brave Reds. Um, Martial will win it at Real Madrid. He'll go Juve Real Madrid. Yeah. Ah. Oh. It really feels like a possibility. Yep. Sickening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Who are the potential candidates to replace Josie Moreno? Oh, I'm not doing this one again, Ed. Oh, veto, <laughs> veto. No, look, all right, we're vetoing it. We'll uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> can't we just leave, leave that one till next season? After Chelsea have beaten us, I'll be part of the bus. <laughs> In the FA Cup, which we'll get on to now. Uh, should we actually do a proper preview yeah, of the FA do Cup? Do we, do, we, do we care enough about it? Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's massive. We, no, we normally give about 30 seconds to the next week's game. No, like I, when we played Spurs, like that, you know, 
one of the the times the two times recently United have been sparkling were the second half against City and for after going behind against Spurs. So just they were excellent in that game and they looked like a real team. And you know, you were saying earlier in the show, okay, we've turned it off for a few weeks. Can we switch it back on? Well, the Europa League final will tell us very much that we did because switched off for about a month and a half at the end of last season and this has only been three games. So Yeah, I, I'd say Chelsea are a better team. Than Ajax. Well, they who are deeply Ajax, limited. Ajax haven't hadn't just lost three 0 to Newcastle, have they? That's very true. Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't seen the Newcastle Chelsea game obviously uh, yet. Um, I'll, I'll watch that later. I uh, you know have, having seen Chelsea in against Huddersfield, where they they did push at the end, they did push hard at the end, um, and against Leicester where they were rubbish until they were a long way down. And against Liverpool, where they, you know, they a little bit fortunate. I'd say they um, they are of the two teams coming into this game in slightly worse form, but mm-hmm. like neither side really has a lot of form to talk about right at the moment. Um, Chelsea's Chelsea's problem is scoring goals, basically. I mean, Morata's out of the side. Apparently, his extreme intelligence doesn't translate to scoring goals. <laughs> See, Romelu will always have the last laugh. I mean, Morata played against Newcastle and he played against Huddersfield. Like, I think he started in both of those games. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's uh, he hasn't always. And Eden Hazard, he's having an off season. Oh, he's got twelve goals, decent for him. But their third highest goal scorer is Marcus Alonso from left back. Yeah, I mean, it's a very attacking. It's not left back, is it? It's, it's very much left wing back. Oh no, Morata didn't start against uh, Newcastle. Sorry, he started. Uh, it was Jury that started, but he did start against Huddersfield. Um, mm. uh, Williams' numbers are, are not great this season. Uh, he actually has worse goals plus assists numbers than uh, than Martial, <laughs> who he's likely to replace. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, likely to replace? No, come on. Let's not let's not give in to painful fate that easily. There is speculation that this might happen. We're surely at yeah. that stage. Oh, okay, so um, United's games against Chelsea under Mourinho have been a distinctly mixed bag, it's fair to say. But is there a chance that Antonio Conte will be overly concerned that if they win this, he might be forced to keep his job? <laughs> <laughs> No, he's gone already. <laughs> he, he's he's already gone. Um, it, be, I, I think the, one of the really fascinating things about this is exactly the shape that Mourinho will turn up with because yep. Chelsea back to back three yep. today. Um, and against mostly been a back three, but not always back, this season. Back three every one of their last, I think, seven or eight Premier League games. I looked it up earlier because I was right. I was seeing. I haven't watched that much of them, so I was seeing how often they've done it. Um, and yeah, they've uh, they've done it time and time again recently. So um, I don't know what they did in the semi final of the FA Cup, but but in the league, they've just been yeah back three all the way again. Yeah, be interesting because Mourinho's done that a couple of times recently. Uh, yeah, he has, and uh, I mean, he where where else did he do it? He did it against um, uh, West Ham in the week. Has he done it at, on other occasions? Did he against Brighton, I felt no, no, didn't do it no. I think it was no, maybe it was just against just West, West Ham. Ham yeah. yeah, and that that felt like a that felt very much about the fact that he was playing uh, wanted to play Lingard and Alexis up front, and is obviously not going to play four four two. So I wonder whether we'll actually just see a straightforward four three three. So. We're talking about De Gea. Here, I think that the kind of guaranteed starters are De Gea, Valencia, Smalling and Young, and Pogba and Matic, and Lukaku and Sanchez. So I think there's three positions, centre-back, 
the, the third central um, midfielder and the right side of attack. I think those are the three positions that are up for grabs. And I, I think it's I think it's quite unlikely that he'll match Chelsea and play a three at the back. Because unless he's going to play three at the back and two up front as centre-forwards again, I don't think it really makes sense to match no, it, it um I mean, I wonder if Chelsea were in better form, he he might have done that. Um, since they're not, he, he might go with the three up front and put pressure on Chelsea's back three. It does leave United a bit open. Uh, in the full-back areas, you know, obviously. Um, and that could, it's an area that could win or lose the game. Um, funnily enough, you, you said uh, there's no way he's going to play two up front in a 4-4-2. Liverpool played four up front today. <laughs> Mane, Firmino, Solanke and Salah, because they were like, Firmino, Mane and Salah is not attacking enough. Better throw another one in there. <laughs> and they won 5-4, right? They won 4 Spurs won 5 Right, right, right. Yeah, got that the wrong way around. Um, yeah, no, I think you're probably right. On balance, uh, it's um, it's more likely he'll he'll go with a standard formation, which which means like nine out of the 11 players are pretty much uh, picked. Well, I, they, I think know? it's eight. I think it's eight because I think there's there's debate over Mata and Lingard. I think there's debate over Herrera, McTominay, Fellaini. And then there's debate over the whoever partners this morning. I think those are... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, Matt Lingard's definitely a toss-up. Um, I mean, will he? Will he want? I mean, but who, who's going to play down Chelsea's left? I mean, Alonso, I guess. Yeah, you know, it'll be Alonso, assuming he's fit. Um, he, you know, who he, he motors a bit. I wonder whether they'll want Lingard over Matter for that. Yeah, and then Herrera's, you know, the first choice. Um, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to play Fellaini. He's he's a specialist, and unless United are going to go long like they did in the Champions League, uh, Europa League final <laughs> last season, I think Fellaini's coming off the bench. Um, so I'd I'd say pretty sure Herrera will start, and then it's probably Lindelof. Although by by he actually played today for the first time in months. And Phil Jones has played a lot, and Phil Jones and Smalling played together in the semi final. In the semi final, which was they did. the big they game, did. so Jones fit at the moment. Yeah, I I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. He, no, he, he played against um, West Ham. He did. He yeah. did play against West Ham. That's did, right. Did he, yeah. play, he, did, he nearly managed to injure himself tripping over one of those fake <laughs> grass mats at the side of the pitch they have at the London Stadium. Those, <laughs> those of you who uh, are wrestling fans will have definitely thought of Titus O'Neil when that happened. But yeah, the the, the Phil Jones thing. I mean. I almost think he's the most likely partner, given the weird, weird, weird treatment of Eric Bailly at the back end of this season. What is going on there? I mean, Lindelof's been okay, yeah. right? I mean, um, he's none, none of the kind of, well, far fewer of the jitters that he had early in the season. Still looks comfortable on the ball and, you know, and, and it, it helps to have someone who's comfortable on the ball alongside Chris Smalling because Chris Smalling is not. Um, and and Smalling will start, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I mean, Bay's obviously the best of them. Jones, yeah, I don't know. I mean, jo- on, Jones, pick, pick one, pick Jones, one. I, I've picked the rest of the team. I just don't. I'm not sure about this one. Jones at his best. You know, I always go on about how I like Phil Jones. I think he's good. Um, I really like Victor. Lind- I really like it when Vindel- Victor Lindelof's in the team now because he's not just comfortable on the ball. He's like stylish on the ball. He uses the ball really productively. I mean, I was thinking about he'd be a like a dream for Louis van Gaal. Victor Lindelof would have been because he can definitely defend when he's not got the big jitters and he's got an eye for a 
uh, midfield splitting pass. Um, he, do, he does. Imagine him and Daley Blint at the back. You know, <laughs> he's got fine hair as well, Victor Lindelof. Yeah, yeah, and he's a handsome man. It could all totally work. But, you know, you definitely want Smalling to have someone next to him that he can just tap the ball sideways to. But I think, I think what Mourinho will do, based entirely on the fact that this is what he did in the semi-final, is Mourinho will play Jones and Smalling together. And, and it will be the the kind of internet fan nightmare of young Jones, Smalling, Valencia uh, as our back four. Yeah, quite quite probably, yeah. And so how do you think the game's going to go? I've, I've become so afraid of watching of expecting united to be good now like every time we get every time united are up against a real test i sort of think oh no yeah we're probably going to fail this but actually this the second half of this season for all the kind of miserable failure of some of the games against smaller sides and all the kind of boredom and frustration and Mourinho talking nonsense actually we've got bang up for it in the big games and really performed and I think the best case scenario for United would be to go down go one nil down early and wake up and actually play um I, I think at Old Trafford that game against Chelsea was terrifying they they really dominated for the first 20 minutes or so of that game I seem to remember and then United kind of got got right back into it but th- those first few minutes were, were really frightening and Chelsea looked all over United and and Chelsea looked massively up for it in a way that they've only sporadically done I think you know they they they've, they've been they've had the they've had a weirder season than us Chelsea have they've still got bags of quality and that kind of Alonso to uh, Morata or Alonso to Giroud uh, combination could be really effective against us because it doesn't take much to crack United's defence open Um, so will the chances that Chelsea get be um, in be kind of put away in the realm of the savable for David De Gea because obviously David De Gea will save anything that is technically possible to be saved. Um, but if they don't, then it could could be unpleasant. But even though United have been so stuttering and so kind of feeble so often this season, Pogba, Alexis, Lukaku, Lingard, Mata, these are all players who are game changers, who can create openings, who can take chances, who can pull something out of nothing or who can... Um, link up to make a pretty flowing devastating attack happen so yep hmm. Ch- Chelsea team um Courtois in goal Espelicueta Cahill certain Christiansen or Rudiger Christiansen I guess probably um Moses and Alonso uh, fullback um uh Kante Kante and one other Fabregas Probably yeah. not Bakayoko okay, because he's been absolutely abysmal in the time he comes. He's just such a bad season. player. Thirty-five million pounds. What a joke! Apparently, he was um, a little better in the semi-final, but yeah, he's he's a, a very poor player. They played Ross Barkley. We, we talked today. about this last summer, didn't we? I mean, you know, I I, I just I, for for Matic, the the price felt quite high when United bought him because he was. So old, basically. Yeah. He's, not, he's not far off 30 now. Uh, and he's had a decent, uh, fine season, I'd say, Matic. I mean, definitely a, a um, low-energy middle third. But but for Chelsea to replace Matic with Bakayoko, what the hell were they thinking? 
I mean, so so anyway, hard. Like Bakayoko, I, mean, I was talking about the team. Bakayoko so, yeah. looked all right for Monaco, didn't he? Like he didn't look bad. I'm going to tell you the one player in Chelsea squad who I look at jealously is N'Golo Kante because my goodness how good would a midfield three of like Matic, Kante and Pogba be and then when Matic moves on you get someone else to replace him like Kante he's just so what United need so much energy so good at breaking up attacks he's been pretty good against us every time he's played against he's pretty good against everyone almost all the time N'Golo Kante like he's just such a he just does what he does as well as anyone who ever has ever done oh, that Oh, that's thing. right. You know, and he, he's the player, uh, uh, almost the only player amongst this Chelsea side that doesn't seem to, heads don't seem to drop very, very quickly, you know. Yeah. One, one player who, whose performance level drops off very quickly when it's not going his way is, is Eden Hazard, who's had another very average season, I'd say. I mean... Actually, thinking about it, how how many years has he been in England now? Five, it's, six? it's the season after they won the Champions League. Um, so 2012, they signed him in the summer of 2012, ahead of 12-13. So six seasons. Yeah. Has he had two good seasons, maybe? Definitely, yeah. The the, the seasons they've won the league, mostly. Um, he's, yeah, for a player that talented, he's uh, he's a bit of a fraud, isn't he? I, Cheating his manager, I, I think they say. I, I don't know. Like, I also think he's just stayed at Chelsea way too long as well. Like, he, he was not supposed to be at Chelsea for all this time. Um, you wonder even whether Real Madrid would want him now. That's that's the kind of perennial link, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure they would because he is a very, 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 very talented footballer, like immensely talented. I mean, he's made us look stupid plenty of times, United, doesn't he? You know, um, but like you say, he does. He he blows pretty, pretty hot and cold. Yeah. All right. Predictions. It feels like it feels wrong to predict Tepe Cup finals because it's so like oh I don't know I don't want to no, say you we... don't get out of it that easily. I'm um, just just uh, while you're thinking about it, yeah. just just uh, while we're talking about predictions, Mark Lawrenson. Is this going to be about Liverpool? The, uh, yeah, yeah, it does the um, the BBC predictions. Um, uh, he has just completed his second season in a row of uh, of uh, Liverpool being invincibles. <laughs> Not just invincibles, right? But winning every game. Oh no, no double no, invincible. The old draw, presumably. Uh, yeah, pretty special. <laughs> yeah, Mark Lawrenson is a special character, that's for sure. Come on, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I tell you why I don't want to predict this because I'm really reticent to predict this because I'm going to be sad when this doesn't happen. But I think United are going to turn up. That's my because. So basically, this season, the pattern has consistently been, oh, God, it's all miserable, it's all ruined, Mourinho's destroying everything. Oh, my God, we've done something amazing. Like, this is just swung back and forth from these two poles time and time again. So the last little spell of the season has been so grim that I'm kind of thinking, ah, maybe they'll maybe they'll pull that performance they pulled out against City and against Spurs again. So I am yeah, going to predict yeah. Manchester United to win the FA Cup by three. Three goals to one after going wow. one nil down. I'm, I'm going to say a, a two-one extra time victory with uh, Martial FC coming off the bench oh. to, to win it for United in his last moment of glory. No, no, the then Mourinho will hug him and it'll all have been a, a joke, and Martial will definitely be staying next season. Not a chance. Anyway, yeah, yeah, got to got to predict a victory. Yeah. You, it will um, in our end of season awards and ratings and stuff like that. I think it'll make a big difference about whether you know what kind. You know, if it's a potless season, 
Mourinho's methods are kind of worthless, aren't they? You know? Um, yeah. Sure, there's a bit of progression, a few more points, a few more goals, uh, finish above Liverpool, you know, that's all good. Um, but if you're 20 points behind the champions and you don't win anything, Got to ask some questions. And so mis- this is very important. You're miserable half the season because watching United is a chore. You know that. I mean, that is that is an absolutely legitimate complaint because I don't know. For some people, I guess all that matters for football is where all the teams finish at the end of the season. But surely the hours of our lives we invest in this thing across the year must have some value. Do we not do this for the sake of entertainment? Like, isn't this our hobby? Isn't this something we do for enjoyment? Why? It, it is, it is, it is. But, um, but yeah, some people, for, for some people, winning is, is everything. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I'm pretty old school on that one. I want United to be playing good football. I, I do have, you know, a misty eye for, for the great days of Sir Alex. Yeah, you know, busting down everyone's door and and playing like it meant as much as all the fans. Yeah, and oh, I mean, you mentioned it briefly earlier in the show, but has there been a happier piece of news all season than the the lovely news that Fergie was out of intensive care? And you know, the stories doing around this season that the first thing he said was, "How did Doncaster do?" It's kind of sad that they lost, but anyway. Um, but yeah, the Fergie out of intensive care—that's just that's just absolutely brilliant. And, and obviously great well I guess that's it for this week yeah uh, come on Reds yeah come on cup final oh it's exciting it's really exciting I love the FA Cup and I, if we've won it two times in three years that's going to be an absolute delight so alright come on you Reds and we'll be back to talk about it win or lose uh, next week take care of yourselves till then see you then hello Patreon backers thank you once again for backing the show thank you to all the new people who've come along and backed the show recently I'm going to do another round of merch stuff uh, in the next couple of weeks which I'm excited about Um, uh, people have been waiting a long time for t-shirts but we finally got it together so that's that's going to be sorted very soon thank you very much for your patience with those Um, and I'll make sure to go back and make sure that people that kind of um, spent enough time in the right tiers all get their stuff whether or not they're still backing at that level now um, one of the things you get for backing us of course is bonus content and this week we decided that even though United greater than England right we know this we do both live in England and there is a World Cup coming up and I sort of care a little bit about the England national team this this summer. There's a sort of, I don't know, I think I might quite like Gareth Southgate, Ed. Wow, that's kind of a weird statement, isn't it? It is. Weird statement. But it, it definitely has, you know, him being in charge has changed the, the, um, the kind of dynamic around England a little bit because he's played quite a lot of young players. He's played... Most of the players in form. He seems to be quite intelligent. He seems to be making some sensible decisions. He's trying to move on, drop Joe Hart. Very sensible decision. Um, and you know, not a big name manager, but but for the moment, given the resources he had, and you know, his twenty three is going to be significantly less talented than than uh, the France, the Spain, or Germany, or the Brazil squads or probably quite a few others yeah, as well yeah. you know uh he's he's done an all right job today yeah so um we've been through and picked our england 23s this is based on who's likely to be fit um 
And uh, I guess we'll start with our three goalkeepers each. So I've gone for Jack Butland, Jordan Pitford and uh, your man Pope from Burnley. Rather than Man United graduate Tom Heaton, just because I think Pope's been really good all season, hasn't he? Well, he has, and and uh, you know Heaton's not in the team, so no. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have Joe Hart anywhere near this squad. Mm-mm-mm. I think he'd probably be quite a disruptive force, actually. Um, you know, with his shampoo and all that. So <laughs> I, I think that's a fair selection of three. Heaton could qualify because he's a he's a good keeper, sound yeah. keeper. But um, Butland and Pickford, both two excellent young keepers. Um, Butland having a real go at Stokes' management. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he moves before the World Cup, of course. Um, and you know, certainly good enough to be playing in the Premier League. Won't want to be playing in the Championship. Had a had a real go at Stokes' management for buying a load of crap players, <laughs> which they did. They did. Um, fascinating decision, and, and actually, kind of an area of weakness. Really, none of these keepers are bad keepers, but none of them. I mean, and maybe they'll grow into really, really, really good goalkeepers, but none of them are currently. None of these are going to like trouble Real Madrid's shortlist when they're looking for players to buy that aren't David De Gea, are they? I mean, Jordan Pickford has excellent distribution, but he has had real wobbly moments this season. I mean, you would fully expect a player of his age to have wobbly moments. Um, but I think I'd go with Pickford, especially if you're going to try and play football. Uh, I think that distribution makes a big difference. and And I don't know how much... You, you're kind of looking at not making a that you want there not no ricker meter, so like how least like the least likely to make a rick, the quality of saves and then the distribution right those these are what you want from your keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think this is the right selection, um, and 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 I think uh, Southgate would have dumped Hart for much the same reason that Guardiola did, you know. Um, his his distribution with his feet is abysmal, and he makes too many mistakes. He's just not that... I mean, the thing about Joe just Hart not is that he's good. just not that good. Remember when some City fans tried desperately to argue who's better than De Gea? I mean, there, there was... I, I remember when it was an extremely controversial suggestion to say that you'd rather have De Gea than Hart in goal in the sort of 2011-2012 sort of era. Um, right, then, then you've got defenders. Um, and these are... In the in the thing we used for the selection, these are broken up slightly oddly. So um, neither Ashley Young nor Ryan Sessignon were considered defenders. But anyway, um, I've gone with Walker and Trippier um, as the two right backs. Rose and Bertrand as the two left backs. And then I, the, I think this was the thing I found hardest was picking four centre backs. Like I think it's really difficult. I, I think I think you know everyone knows I like Phil Jones. John Stones has had a very indifferent second half of the season, not really been in the side that much, I think, quite a lot of the time. But Jones, Stones, Mawson and Tarkovsky is the, is the four centre-backs Oof. that I've gone for. I, d- I don't know if you could go for Jones and Stones and then take Mawson and Tarkovsky. That's hell of a risk. <laughs> but but what's mean, not J- a risk? Jones for breaking down, <laughs> Stones for being like blowing hot and cold and Mawson and Tarkovsky for never really playing in any big games ever. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I m- might be tempted to take Jones and Stones for sure and Maguire because he's a good defender and a good ball player. And, and um, Yeah, I'll have, I'll have Maguire ahead of Tarkovsky. There you go. 
Yeah, and and uh, and Southgate definitely likes a ball playing defender. I might be tempted to take Gary Cahill just because <laughs> just because for some of the experience, it'd be Cahill or Smalling then, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Smalling than Cahill. Like, I mean, yeah. and I would really not like to have Smalling. Like, so yeah, I'd actually only take seven defenders. So I'd take Walker, Trippier, and Rose, okay. not Bertrand, and and bring Ashley Young along because he can play in multiple positions, and you get yourself an extra squad member effectively and and he's been perfectly fine for United at left back this season and uh, he's you know the kind of flexible you play you need in a squad I've got Young in my squad as well <laughs> yeah yeah I mean look honestly I've spent most of the time Young uh, has played at United having to go at him but um, he's had a perfectly decent season I think he might actually have his highest number of assists ever for United this season he's got a few so um it's uh in, in, from left back you know and I, I think he's a two players in one kind of player uh basically and it's good for a tournament football anyway all right so midfielders this is this is a um, very sort of loose definition I'm gonna I'm just gonna talk this, about um, this is hard one the ones I definitely take yeah are, uh Dyer, Lingard Sterling Ali Henderson yeah, and then my my umming and ahhing are about. I mean, I, I already said I'm taking Young as a defender, so for my eighth defender, mm-hmm. I'm umming and ahhing about Lalana because he's been unfit for most of the season. But you kind of have him on he's, kind of talent. He's been so you? good for England as well. Like he's he's yeah. performed in an England shirt, which is this weird. Did I say Henderson? You probably kind of have yeah. to take Henderson, even though he runs funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and would you, would you take another defensive midfielder? In which case, it's it's really drink water, isn't it? Although, obviously, Lewis Cook has been in the squad recently. You know, he's a kind of all round midfielder, Lewis Cook. But drink- it's probably drink water just for the big game experience. Drink water's had a very average season, though. He really has, and it was obvious that he was going to have a very average season because he was never going to start every game. And the thing is, you say for the big match experience, but what does that mean? This is what this is what, in fact, one of the things that I quite like about Southgate is that he hasn't really done that although I've got Jack Wilshere in my team so I can't oh, talk why why would you do why uh, because why? there was why? a period this season of about four games where he looked really good again <laughs> and at that point I decided I'd pick him in my World Cup uh, squad I mean no that's that he's the sort of last pick really I, I think this is actually really difficult so how many midfielders have you got in your squad I have got, um, not counting Young, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I'm, 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 I'm actually only at 21, 21 players. Yeah, that's so what far. I was thinking. Like, I don't think you you can't have picked enough because I've ended up randomly with Ruben Loftus Cheek in my team just to make up the numbers. So I've gone with. Um, a... I mean, in a twenty-three man squad, you can have one real wild card, and yeah, and they could be. They could be Ryan Sessegnon, who's, who's yeah. been sensational for Fulham. He, he's a very, you know, he's kind of player who would be able to step up, I think, because it's it's not all fancy flicks and tricks with him. You know, he's obviously got extreme pace, but he's just a very functional player. You know, he does the basics really, really well. The um, um, the the only so the only difference is, I mean, Dyer Henderson, I think that's automatic. Uh, Lingard, Ali, and Sterling, I think, is automatic. I think Lalana is borderline automatic um just because just because i think i think he he'll suit the system and all that kind of stuff you know it, he's and he's done well for england which must mean something uh and then loftus cheat 
as as my wild card. But I, I like I like yours. I like your wild card of Cessna in a way. I mean, that feels a little bit Theo Walcott two thousand and two. Um, but at least Cessna. Talking of which, would you take Theo Walcott? <laughs> I mean, no, no I would not on. take no. Theo Walcott. I would no. not. Um, I've just got three forwards, so um, I've got uh, eight defenders, um, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten midfielders and attacking midfielders, and then and then just three centre forwards: Kane, Rashford, and Vardy. Yeah, Kane, Kane, Rashford, and Vardy have to go, um, and then. Uh, aside from that, it's hard because, you know, like, the old guard, Defoe and Carroll and, and that lot, what is the point? Yeah. Storage. I mean, Carroll. Storage I, I, brilliant sometimes, but always injured. I What's the point? I don't think you can say there's no point taking Andy Carroll. I, I think I wouldn't take Andy Carroll, but there is clearly a point because he. It's it would be like if Marianne Fellaini was English, you know. Um, only I think Andy Carroll's probably like technically better than Marion Fellaini, um, but you know he would clearly give another option. He'd give something for teams to think about that's very different. And in an international tournament setting, like short termism is completely acceptable. So I, I wouldn't have him, but I do think there is a point to Andy Carroll. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. And and outside of that, it's 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 pretty short. I mean, you've got a bunch of young players who've done decent this season. I mean, Tammy Abraham started the season well at Swansea. He's finished the season out of a relegated side. Dominic Solanke's hardly ever played for Liverpool or did play today. Daniel Sturridge always injured. Yeah, and that's just defining his career. Yeah, and um, then you've got a bunch of midfielders who've been on the edge of of coming into the England squad. So Loftus Cheek, you mentioned uh, Jack Cork at Burnley's had a very decent season. Fabian Delft's played all season at left back for City. And you know the I mean, he- the Delft thing is fascinating because in a way, if Pep Guardiola was England manager, like if Fabian Delft would be my first name on the team sheet. In a way, it's just you wonder what whether Delft can transfer his really genuinely excellent City form to a not-as-good team. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's um, Harry Winks. He's yeah. had a half-decent season at Tottenham, well, he's, but he's, he's, definitely not, uh, he's definitely not in the, seat, in the side every week. No, so. he's gone, and he's gone really off the boil as well, apparently. Yeah. And and he struggled with injury as well. So uh, Danny Welbeck is a player that I, you know, would have been my first name on the team sheet at, at some points in his career, but... I don't think I'd take him. I think he's looked really. What's What's the point? I mean, just what's the point? Well, the, you know what? What do you? What? I, I'm thinking. You know, I like this ball, but I think he might be a little bit of a fraud. No, come on. He, he just he just might be. He just got hurt. He just instead of taking the glorious career trajectory that he could have done, he had his heart broken and was forced to move to Arsenal, where he was injured by their evil training pitch and Arsene Wenger's callous. Uh, in attention to detail, and uh, that's ruined his career. Um, and you know, I've, I've still only got twenty-one players, which means I could take you know a couple of crazies. Um, there's um, Adamola Luckman, who uh, did the brave thing, went to the Bundesliga, and has been doing all right. Yep. Jaden Sancho, who's actually had some excellent games from Borussia recently, former City player, who thought, "Fuck this, don't like City, <laughs> they're never going anywhere." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually it's an interesting uh, theme at the moment. Young English players from from um, from the academies 
yeah, looking at the path through to a first team place, thinking mm, I don't think so, and heading off to the Bundesliga. There's a few. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's the thing that people have been saying for years that should happen, and clearly this is a generation who've grown up with thinking the same, thinking why why don't we just do this? So what about John Joe Shelby then, Ed? No, <laughs> no, no. And uh, I, I think there's more chance of John Joe Shelby joining some ultras from the local uh, Russian militias. <laughs> so, okay, go on. You've got you've got to add your final two picks. It's really hard because I don't want any of these <laughs> usual forwards. I mean, what is the point of having Walcott, Walcott, or Welbeck, Walcott, Sturridge, or Carroll? Well, just take Cecilia I mean, and Sancho then. Yeah, I probably I probably would because you know in they would probably I, I could probably take one more defender I, I would I probably would take Sessegnon, um just on the basis of his sort of you know he can play anywhere up the left hand side yeah uh, and he's clearly going to be a hugely talented player for England for many years to come and and he can have a nice time you know putting the cones out in training all right so I've gone for Butland Pickford Pope Walker Trippier Rose Bertrand Stones Jones Mawson and Maguire Dyer Henderson Wilshire <laughs> Young Lingard Ali Sterling Lalana Loftus-Cheek Kane Rashford and Vardy and I've got Butland Pickford Pope Walker Trippier Rose Stones, Jones, Cahill, Maguire, Dyer, Henderson, Young, Lingard, Ali, Sterling, Lalana, Drinkwater, Kane, Rashford, Vardy, and a wild card of Sessignon, and I'm still a player short. You don't want Sancho? Nah, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. That would be too many wild cards. I'd probably add another midfielder, in which case Jack Wilshire gets a game. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Tell us if you wanted us to, to do it with like the France national squad, which might be a little bit more. That, that's a bit dull. Let's <laughs> let's do it with someone a bit more interesting. Uh, you you up on your Saudi Arabian football these days? <laughs> are they in the World Cup? Oh yeah, they are, aren't they? they are. They're in the opening game of the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. They are. Human Rights FC. Nah, come on. Um, all right, uh, we will see you next week. We will do. See you then. Bye now. <laughs>